Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who sits in a corner all alone. He lives under a waterfall. Nobody can see him. Nobody can even hear him call. Here's my co-host from the left coast, the supersonic one himself. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. So for this episode, we have a special guest, and he's our youngest guest ever. The most recent record is just called ES, which is his initials. So please welcome to the podcast. And Evan, I'm, I'm going to slaughter your last name. So it's Evan and... It's Sir Camp. Sir Camp. Okay. Thank you. Because yeah. I've... I'm, I've yeah, it's a weird one. Well, I've, I've, I've been known to slaughter even really easy easy last name so thank you for 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 doing that how you doing i'm doing good all right let's 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 get going premise of our podcast fairly simple we talk about music but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode i ask the all-important question what t-shirt are you wearing wayne what t-shirt are you in i actually got this t-shirt for i tried to get it in time for the uh Echo in the Bunnyman episode, and it didn't come in time, but it is uh, Liverpool FC, which I know that uh, Noel Gallagher is uh, a supporter of uh, Manchester City, but I don't have their T-shirt, so. There you go. All right. Evan, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I have on a T-shirt for a local music festival called Nelsonville Music Fest. I got their T-shirt from last year, and we do this music program that they run. Uh, they're run by Stewart's Opera House. So we do this music program for them and they let all the bands that are in that program perform on their free stage. So very yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. And you're already a, a seasoned veteran of the stage, even though you're, you're, you're young. Well, maybe I don't know if I'm seasoned yet. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, you're still getting your chops in. Yeah. Maybe, maybe close, but Okay. We'll that's, see. That's good. All right. Um, I'm wearing a shirt that I've worn multiple times, so I'm wearing one of my Not of Surf t-shirts. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and I guess this would be my opportunity to plug that um, their record, The Weight is a Gift, is actually being um, being sent to vinyl, be available in December. So I'm super stoked about that. Cool. Yeah. All right, Evan. Um, so I mentioned that you're our youngest guest ever. How old are you? Uh, currently 16 and a half. So. All right. Well, I'm I'm 50, 51 and one quarter. <laughs> so, yeah, we've a little bit of an age gap. And the reason why you're on is because your mom, Angel, has listened to our podcast occasionally. And she was like, hey, you know, my, my son is a big music fan. And, oh, by the way, he's also a musician. And, you know, I'm assuming that your mom is, like, acting as your manager? Yeah. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's dad. Probably okay. a little more of mom. All right. Well, so so she was definitely doing her doing her job. And, and she, she basically said, you know, you should have him on your podcast. And we've... We've been known Wayne to to have well. We've had one guest on that was a, a listener, uh, Phil Berg, who came on to do uh, 
an episode on one of his favorite bands. Yeah, the Beat Farmers. Beat Farmers. Van Gogh. Yeah. So um so we're 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 not we're we're okay with um having big time people on, but we're also okay with um you know having having uh up and coming musicians on as well. The future. Yeah, the future. And uh, I will say, Evan, so th- you were kind enough to send me a CD of your record. So thanks a ton for that. You're welcome. I guess I should have requested that it got an autograph first. Just, you know, again, <laughs> looking at the future. Yeah. Um, I've listened to your album a couple of times. Good stuff, man. Really. And yeah, I'm not- me too. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So are are you playing all the parts on that or do you have other people who are who are, who are helping you with the production of the of the songs? Uh I wish I had other people helping me with the production. <laughs> uh right now it's just me. Okay. But hopefully someday it'll be others. So there there are multiple parts going on in each of these songs. So what instrument are you, do you feel like you're most proficient in? Probably guitar. I usually do the rhythm guitar first. So, yeah, that's what I see myself playing. Okay. I didn't hear any any keyboards or piano in any of the songs. Uh, is, is everything done essentially on guitar first? Yeah, mostly I record the guitar parts first, and then I'll add uh, the drums, the bass, and any other stuff that needs to be added. I'm not I'm not against keyboards by any means. I do want to find a way to incorporate them into some of my upcoming projects, but they just didn't make it into that one. Gotcha. Okay. And and so how many tracks are you typically tracking for, for a song? Because like a song, um, what was the one that has uh, multiple parts of, of you on it um, singing in, in the... Uh, the 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 back backing vocals. So how many how many tracks are you typically doing for for one of your songs? I would say probably around seven to eight. Not okay. too crazy. Okay. And those are all you. Yeah, all except the drums. Those are programmed in. So yeah, okay. but everything else is me. So you're saying they're programmed in, but you're you're the one programming it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. So, so again, you are doing everything. So good. So you've already mentioned that you've played on the stage. So when you're playing on the stage, is it just you stripping everything down to an acoustic set? Is that how you're typically performing? Yeah, typically. Uh, when we did the thing for Nelsonville Music Fest, I was in a band at the time and I hadn't written any original songs yet. So we just played covers then. But when I'm performing original stuff, usually it's just stripped down. Gotcha. And what kind of covers? Well, kind of all over the place, but definitely some Oasis and a lot of 90s alternative stuff. 60s to 90s alternative rock, I guess, would be the the umbrella genre. So I have to assume that that is a lot of your parents doing, where they're they're feeding you the music that they've grown up on. So is that, is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I, I would say I definitely owe a lot of my musical taste to my parents. All right. So I got a question from, for you from a, a parental standpoint then. So my, my family, um, 
other than our our shared love of Billy Joel, Tom Petty, and Matt Nathanson. Um, my kids pretty much don't like my music. So how, how how did you find the music that your parents were were uh, playing for you? How did you how did you kind of latch onto that? Where you were like, hey, maybe my parents are kind of cool. <laughs> that's a strong word. That's not <laughs> what he said. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I think a lot of the stuff I just kind of heard growing up, so it's what I expected to hear. So when I heard stuff on the radio that didn't sound like that, I wasn't really drawn towards it as much. I grew up with a lot of uh, Smashing Pumpkins and I think Lumineers was played a lot on car trips. Okay. So those two especially. And then Oasis was one of the earlier bands I learned about. Yeah. And then we're we're going to talk about Oasis for in, in a couple of minutes. Um, let's talk about a couple of your songs. So um, your song that's called "If Only." There's one part of the song that is really violent femme. So is that is that a band that your parents have played? I don't remember them ever playing violent femmes a bunch when I was a kid. Well, I, I'm still a kid, but <laughs> younger kid. Let's <laughs> be fair. Um but yes, they are definitely an influence for it. All right. I've listened to their first album a lot and I really I really dig it. Yeah, you you need to do a mashup in that song during the bridge part. Like I, I, I was waiting for you to say, I hope you know that this will go down on your permanent record. I was waiting for that <laughs> part. So um, anyways, uh, if you do the mashup, uh, you don't need to credit me for, for that idea, but I do need to see video of it when you do that. Yeah, I'll definitely do that next time. All right. Um, Wayne, I know that you've listened to the record as well. What? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love uh, the Britpop of Glister City. And then I, I love it when people take like a historical event. Uh, we just had a guest. Uh, I, we just recorded an episode last week with Brooks Hubbard, and he took a, a, a battle from the Civil War and created a song. And then so Boston Massacre song. I love I love that you took this this one specific event and wrote a song about it and a little bit, you know, with a with this different like twist like a personal aspect to it I, I i like that one thank you yeah i think that was one of the earlier ones i wrote so yeah and break the freedom they've been ordered to 
So what's what's the process for for you? Are, do you set aside time to 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 write, or are you one of these type of people that gets a hook stuck in your head and you're like, um, you know, grab grab a piece of paper or grab a napkin and start writing down ideas? What's what's your process? I think I'm definitely I definitely lean towards the second type that you mentioned. Uh, I usually get like the melody with a little scrap of the lyrics in my head. And then I try to try to chase down that idea as quickly as possible because I know if it sits around for a while, I usually forget about it or I just don't feel motivated to work on it anymore. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I end up coming up with is pretty much written under the hour. So, gotcha. All right, um, Wayne. Any any uh, any feedback to give Evan as he uh, continues his musical journey? Anything that we can we can uh, provide to him as uh, instruction to to get better? Oh, absolutely not! I think his parents have given him a good foundation. I know that's the same. I mean, uh, you and I are in that same. You know, my kids. I've you know the fact that I turned one of my daughters onto Elvis Costello is still my my greatest joy uh, as a parent. But uh, no, I, I love that you've captured that. There's like this very, like, it reminded me a lot of like Frank Turner. There's this acoustic aspect to it, but there's still this kind of punky angst that I, I think comes with youth. So I would say, follow your muse. Don't let anybody convince you any different. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think that if I would, I would chime in for, for anything. And I know that we've talked about this on a couple different episodes where, you know, take, take the feedback that you're given from people and, and don't be, don't be contentious about it. You know, take, take what they're offering. Um, you don't need to necessarily cater to everything that they say, because most of it is probably going to be BS anyways, but you know, always look to, to improve. And I know the one thing that I would, I would, I I've told a few other singer songwriters who were, um, on the, the, the younger side of doing this biz. Cause it's look there, there, there's probably 10 people who joined this biz in this area in, in my area in Orlando every, every day but there's probably 15 who leave it because they just kind of get discouraged and um, stop following the dreams and, or they, they heard somebody say, say to them, you're not as talented as you think you are. And so take, take the criticism, but also take the, the, the compliments where, where they come and definitely hang out with other musicians because you're going to learn something from them as well. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that advice. All right. I did want to ask you, so let's talk about the playlist that you have on Spotify about your musical influences, because Wayne and I were both super <laughs> impressed by that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I forgot about that existed. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's a, it's a good thing because uh, as soon as I read, oh well, he's got he's got violent films on here, which um, totally made me think of your your song "If Only." Um, but I also I also see that you've got the laws on here with "There She Goes," which is one of the greatest songs ever in my in my opinion. Um, Classic. But you also have Simon and Garfunkel on here. You've got the birds on here. And then you've got Guided by Voices, R.E.M., Foo Fighters, and Decemberists on on this list. Oh, don't forget the strokes. And the strokes. I forgot the strokes. So um, you're taking from a lot of really great uh great bands you're I, and when i say taking i don't really mean that you're 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 taking from them you're being influenced by them and creating your your own music and that is a wide expanse so let, let's talk about a couple of these 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 bands what are you what are you um how how are you influenced by the strokes i think the more well, I really like Last Night because it's kind of got that dancey element to it. You know, it's like a rock song, but you could dance to it almost. Yeah. So I think that's important to have. And, you know, I really like the driving guitar in that. Like that intro at the beginning is just, it's amazing, you know, how it builds. So I think and, that's probably where I draw, what inspiration I draw from them. And then what are you, what are you taking from Simon and Garfunkel? Simon and Garfunkel, I think is probably more of the folk side of things but it's like it's it's still pop you know it's catchy they've they've got those really catchy melodies but it's more stripped down so yeah i think probably the melodies the catchy melodies with the stripped down acoustic guitar is what i'm taking from that yeah the one thing that i thought was interesting from your from your group is um you've got guided by voices we've done an episode on Unguided by voices and and Robert Pollard is definitely follows his own muse. And I think Wayne, you could you could chime in here on on this is that I think our our biggest criticism for the record that we talked about was um well it's not even a criticism because I felt like that record that record was produced many of the other records that he's done weren't super produced. And if a producer was there to tell him, maybe these three songs don't belong on your record. So you've you've got, you've got a Robert Pollard on here, but then you've got, you've got some bands like uh, the Decemberists and the laws who are known to be, you know, these, perfectionists and have lots of parts to them and um i mean that was the detriment to the laws was uh i don't think they could ever get a second record done because the lead singer was too um too much in his own way with producing stuff so i yeah where where's the happy medium between um being too produced and n- not produced enough, if that even makes any sense. Am I making any sense, yeah. Wayne? Yeah, I, I think you're making sense. So yeah. for so for your songs, where where's the happy medium? It's a good question. 
Um, I think I like to stay on the more raw sounding side of things, definitely, because I think I can put a little more of my sound in there and just kind of convey a little bit more of the raw motion that I think some of the songs need to have. Uh, I, if only is probably a good example. There's a part in there towards the middle where I started playing the bass a little bit out of time. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it kind of sounded good, so I just kept going with it. So if you listen to that, you can hear the bass kind of stutter and jump out of the mix for a minute and not really be following anything, and then it kind of jumps back in again. And I think it's important to have that rawness in there because you don't want to get too caught up being a perfectionist, like you said, because it just stops you from producing anything else. Yeah. But I definitely don't like my stuff to sound like, oh, I threw it together in five seconds and you know i want it to sound like i i put some time to this and i cared enough about this song too yeah yeah absolutely to make it sound good for the listener yeah absolutely well i will say so everybody needs to go check out evan's stuff on 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 uh, spotify and Bandcamp. um i would i would just say this so your record on spotify all of the songs have less than a thousand listens. So you have that dreaded less than symbol next to your songs. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so I hope, so I hope that our listeners will go give some listens and show some love to your music so we can get you over that thousand mark. I, I, I want to find Wayne. I want to, I want to figure out a way that we can for, for bands that we like that we want to, publicize a little bit is there a way that maybe we could create like some kind of playlist for songs that are less than a thousand and just tell everybody hey when you're going to the store just play this on your on your laptop at home as you leave in a a loop (laughs) so you can eventually get to that thousand mark i you know what i Think taking your bully pulpit and just letting people know that they they won't be disappointed if they if they put Evan's record on on yes. Spotify and actually listen to it. So um, I think he, the young man has a bright future. Uh, they should people should listen to it. You'll be better for it. I had to sit through Rufus Wainwright. They should they can they can give this a chance. <laughs> All right, I'm just kidding. Leaving the yeah, I I, I everybody should oh, again. Yeah, we should use this opportunity. Uh, people who listen to this podcast should should go and listen to Evan's record on Spotify. They go. won't regret it. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to my my brother Dave, uh, his band Neon State, which um, I think we've we've said this before. One of his songs is our intro music, and uh, I noticed that he has less than a thousand. He just put his old record that they did. Good gosh. Um, they must have recorded it 13, 14 years ago, and he just put it on Spotify recently, so it's got less than a thousand listens. And so, uh, maybe I'll put him on that "Get Over a Thousand" playlist. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Get over a thousand. If I rambled enough, are we ready to jump into the record that Evan chose? I think we are. All right. So, Evan, tell tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit. All right. Well, I chose. Definitely, maybe by Oasis. Okay. It was there other albums that you thought about? Um. Uh, well, I definitely. I think I thought about the Laws one, but I think more people know Oasis. So, 
so you are not the only person who has thought about laws. You're, I think you're third or fourth person who's brought that up. And, um, and, and everybody has also said kind of the same thing you did where they're like, maybe we should talk about a record that maybe some people know outside of the one song. So there, there we go. All right, uh, some some background info on definitely maybe it is the first studio album by Oasis was released in August of 1994. Uh, very big in the UK. We'll talk about some of the singles, some singles that got released in the UK that did really well that did not get released. The singles over here in the states, or at least I don't remember hearing them. This uh, this peaked at only this was a real shock to me. This peaked at number fifty eight on the Billboard two hundred in the states. It did not shock me because, like I say, I was listening to alternative radio. Uh, I had a a job where I drove around all day, so I was listening to the radio almost all day long. And prior to their their follow up, what's the story, Morning Glory? They did at least in Seattle, but like we were in love with our own music at that time. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I did not hear Oasis until after. And then I went, then they started to play some of this stuff from definitely maybe. So, so keep in mind that they only peaked at 58. So they only sold about a million records of this in the States, but only a million, only a million. I know only a million, uh, compare that to what we were just talking about. Thousand plays on Spotify, but, only 1 million in the States, but 8 million copies worldwide. That's not bad, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah, that's not <laughs> bad at all. Um, so the night that we're recording this episode, it's a day after the, the, the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list got updated. Number 217 on the revitalized list. Is is the, is this the, is this record definitely maybe really yeah wow. two seventeen too what's, high not not high your, enough I think it's too high for this one what's what's the story of Morning Glory where did that come in so on the twenty twelve list what's the story Morning Glory was number three seventy eight however on the twenty twenty list it. It jumped up to 157th. Hmm. Sounds like a bunch of guys our age is making the list. That's what it definitely does sound like, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you guys want to know what's around on this on the list? So number 218 is TLC's Crazy Sexy Cool. <laughs> okay. You don't want no scrubs. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, don't don't go chasing waterfalls. Um the one album just ahead of it is Elliot Smith's Either Or. And um we're gonna talk about Wildflowers from Tom Petty. That's coming up real soon. Uh Wildflowers is number two fourteen. Hmm. I think we just need to make our own list, that's all. I think so too. Evan, what do you even give a crap about Rolling Stone top five hundred albums of all time? I think I've looked at a few of their lists before, but not not a ton. 
you're probably thinking oh, it's just a bunch of old 50 year olds talking about music. <laughs> and we love to make lists. 50 year old guys love to make lists. And they probably have a podcast too. <laughs> Every 50 year old guy has a podcast. It feels like it these days, anyways. All right. Um, so, so, Evan, how did you get introduced to, to Oasis? Is this another one of your parents' records? Yeah, I I remember the first time I heard, I think it was Wonderwall, probably. Uh, it was definitely Wonderwall, not probably. Well, we were, we were driving in the car, and, and I think I asked, is this Smashing Pumpkins? Because that was the only band name I knew at the time. So, and they're like, no, it's not Smashing Pumpkins, it's Oasis. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of them before. That's kind of a weird name for a band. But then again, Smashing Pumpkins also is. Uh, yeah, that was my introduction to them. Then I think I started listening to definitely maybe soon afterwards. And then I just went down the rabbit hole of all their stuff. So, yeah. So considering that Wonderwall was your introduction to Oasis. So have you heard Ryan Adams cover of Wonderwall? I have. And I know that he's not Uh, a name that we really bring up here because of, you know, the personal aspects of his life, but is that, right. is, is that a cover? Is that the kind of cover that you would do for some of those, those, those things that are on your playlist? Would you ever strip down one of those songs and, and create kind of a dark brooding cover like that? I can't, I don't know. I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to cover a song, I like, I sort of like it to sound like the original song. So yeah, I don't know if I would. Okay. Yeah. That's personal, personal preference. There we go. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So as a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 11. Which means our top song is going to get 11 points. Nick's favorite 10 points on Dan to lowest score of one. Uh, one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, is because this is in the wheelhouse of us, you know, the, the, the 40 to 50 year old demographic, I threw this out to our fans and listeners out on Twitter and Facebook and said, Hey, anybody want to contribute their own listener scores to this? So we're going to talk about some of those listener scores as we go through this. So it's not just going to be us blowhards, um, doing the scoring we're we're gonna hear from other people as well all right let's kick this off this is rock and roll star My notes are, this is how you start out a career and start out your album. And I love, I love face punches, metaphorically, that is. Um, I, don't, I don't really like getting punched. <laughs> Literal face punches, much worse. Uh, yeah, best song on the record for four minutes. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, there there are a few longer songs on this on this uh, record for sure, and we're going to talk about each one of those as. as oh, we it's go. not even that. If they did the whole rock and roll star, you know, for what is it, five and a half, five minutes and twenty seconds, the last minute and twenty seconds, it and the best I can interpret it as is that it always reminded me of that Pete Townsend, Kurt Cobain thing where you kick over the amps and jump, dive onto the dive backwards onto the drum kit. But it's done so poorly and it lasts a minute and 20 seconds. I had to deduct a point. But this thing is so full of swagger up until then because they're not rock stars at this point. But you can tell that they're going to be. Yeah. Evan, what do you what do you have to say about rock and roll star? Uh, Yeah, I think it's a great opening to the album. Like Wayne said, uh, definitely a lot of swagger for a band that is just putting out their first album. Uh, I think probably... I know one of the things people talk about with Oasis songs a lot is how much they seem to include the word shine in them. I think this is probably one of the first songs, well, it has to be the first song uh, that it's used in that kind of shine that Liam says. I think it's during the verse, maybe, you know, that I think that's just really iconic for me. The I need some time in the sunshine. Yeah. Like how he how he says it and kind of a does his own uh, take on that particular word. Yeah. 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 I would, I would have to agree with you also on, on what you just said, Wayne and my brother contributed scores to this as well. Um, He actually gave this his lowest score because he said, I like it, but the last minute ruined it for me. And there's too many other songs, um, you know, to, to rate. So he gave this a, gave this as one. I will tell you that there were a number of people that scored this their top. So Joe Kelly and Tim McKay both said that this was their, their top song. Darren Hyde and Tony Kuzminski, um, both, both of them said that this was their 10. So let's get your guys a score. Wayne? This is my 10. I had to deduct a point for the minute and 20 seconds of nonsense at the end. There you go. Evan, your score? Also 10. All right. And this is my eight. All right. Next song is Shaker Maker. So this is the second single by Oasis. Uh, it was released in June of 94 and then, of course, put on the record. And look, the, the UK bands are known to be putting out singles before albums come out. So there were there were two singles that came out before the record was uh, uh, fully produced. Peaked at number 11 in the UK. And Wayne, you were saying you were listening to alternative radio in '94. I it didn't it didn't get any U.S. chart position, so I don't remember it getting any play on the uh, on alternative no. radio. 
Yeah, I I mean, even the good songs on this record didn't get on alternative radio. And there's something there's something lazy about this song. And I never could put my finger on it. I mean, but it's not it's not that the rhythm it's not a slower. It's not just because it's got a kind of a slower tempo. There's just something lazy about it. There is something lazy about the fact that it does sound like I'd like to teach the world to sing in some spots to the point where I believe that they got sued. Um, to me, the, and and I, I guess I'll just mention it at this point, because there is, I listened to just before the podcast, I listened to what's the story morning glory. There is a exponential growth in Noel Gallagher. Yes. In every way from this record to the next record. And so I give him some leeway because he, this was their first record. Um, this song, I just, I, there's no songs on here that are like terrible. I hate them, turn them off. Um, but there's just something lazy about this song that I never, I just never really liked it. I, I mean, it has kind of a, there, there's got a real Beatles white album feel like they're trying to do something that just never, that never gets through to me. Yeah. Evan, what do you got on Shaker Maker? Honestly, I would say the exact same thing Wayne said. Um, I really like the riff. I think the riff at the beginning is really cool. But yeah, something about the song just never really grabbed me. Just kind of, I don't know, something about it just felt kind of ordinary. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with what Wayne said, though. Is it because we don't understand the lyrics? Well, yeah, you know, and I, I look at, I love lyrics, and he doesn't really say anything anywhere. He's, but to, to sometimes he just rhymes too much, but he does, he does have a very kind of almost stream of consciousness. And he just writes words that, I mean, like a great example is like champagne supernova. Even he says he doesn't know what he was talking about. He just came up with a line that sat, you know, what's it slower, slower than a cannonball. I mean, he doesn't, even he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just writing songs. And, for a young songwriter to not know what you're writing and to still come out pretty good like this, lyrically he repeats himself. There's real. I don't know if there's any song that has more than three original sections. He just does a lot of two good sections and then repeat it and then do one new one and then repeat the whole thing again. Yeah, that's pretty much Oasis formula. I I would ask you guys this: Do you guys know what a shaker maker was? No, I did not some know it was a thing. Of, I thought it was a some sort of toy, but yeah, it's a toy from sure. yeah, it's a toy from the seventies. I had to look it up. You can you can Google it and find it. But there's a couple other references on on here, which um, is is very British. So Mister Soft, he's talking about. I've been driving in my car with my friend Mister Soft. So that is taken from a. Uh, a mince commercial and i i don't know this brand it, it says trevor soft mints so that's got to be a british thing because i've never heard of it i'm wondering if it's maybe like junior mints i didn't care enough to google it so i i don't know um the next line is talking about mr clean and mr ben are living in my loft so mr clean is a song by the jam and then Mr. Ben is a British children's cartoon. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Now I know he he's buddies with Paul Weller, so I mean, yeah, the jammer. Well, makes sense. I know he's a big fan. Now he is. 
Well, yeah, he wasn't at that moment, but right. hey, that maybe that helped. Okay, last last verse where he talks about Mr. Sifter. Do you guys know who Mr. Sifter is? No. Okay. So Mr. Sifter is the guy who worked at the Sifter's record shop in Burnage where Liam and Noel used to buy records. So the line is Mr. Sifter sold me songs when I was just 16. Now he stops at traffic lights, but only when they're green. And that's a reference to where the shop is located, I guess at the intersection. So there you go. Mr. Sifter has a real name. His name is Peter Howard. I spent way too much time looking at that instead of maybe preparing for other episodes. So, uh, Let's let's get scores. I think by the vitriol that Wayne has shown, I oh, think I know what his vitriol is a strong word, but it was my least favorite song. All right, and then Evan, your score. I have a three for that one. All right, and this is my three as well. Looking at the listener scores, this actually tracked middle of the pack for a lot of people. Bud Verge had this hot as high as a seven. And our buddy John Lamro had this as high as a six. But most people were three, four, five is kind of where this this stacked up. All right. So next song. Everybody knows this song. This is Live Forever. And this was third single from the record. Wayne, maybe you know this fact. This was inspired by the Rolling Stone Shine a Light. Well, that's that, I I hadn't heard that, but it's a great that's a great inspiration to me because I like I said because around here up in the Pacific Northwest there wasn't there was no Oasis before there was what's the story Morning Glory so when I did go back and they did start to play these songs and I started to uh, look into this record this song is what I expected from an Oasis song this sounded like an Oasis song um, so it had a familiarity with it. Um, and I love, I, I love that, that section about the, uh, in the morning rain as it as it soaks you to the bone. I just, the way he sings that line, uh, I, I just, that's just for whatever reason, I, I guess I'm from the Pacific Northwest. It rains a lot. So I get now, now I got to figure out. So this peaked as high as number two on the alternative chart in the U S peaked at number 10 on the UK singles chart and was in the top 10 for the U S mainstream rock chart. And I'm wondering, did that come in 94 when this was released or did that come after what's the story morning glory hit? And that was all over the place. Oh, that, yeah. You know what? I, 
I wouldn't be able to answer that, but I, I can just say up here, there was, like I say, there was no Oasis until there was What's the Story Morning Glory, and then all there was was Oasis. Okay, fair enough. Evan, what do you like about this song? I really think, yeah, it's definitely it's a classic Oasis song. You know, when you think of Oasis, well, you better think of Live Forever. If you don't think of Live Forever, you're doing something wrong. But um, I really like all the maybes in there. I think it just it fits well with the album because the album's name is definitely Maybe. And then you have that uh, maybe I don't really want to know how your garden grows at the beginning. And I think that's I meant I mentioned one of their songs being being iconic before, but I think that's just sort of an iconic line right there. Especially the way Liam sings it. Yeah, he sells this pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, looking at listener scores. So, actually, let's 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 do our scores first. Wayne, your score? Because Rock and Roll Star lost a point for its derailing ending, this is my favorite score with an 11. All right, and Evan? Uh, I'm not too happy with my score on this one. Uh, I had to give it a seven just because I feel like I've heard it a little too many times, but okay. still an amazing song. All right. And this is my 11. And so Evan, this is where we give you a little bit of crap <laughs> because between our scores and the listener scores, you gave it the lowest ranking of, of anyone. Um, and we've got uh, we've got twelve listeners who contributed. So let me just run run through the the list of names that name this their top song: Craig Manning, Dave, my brother Dave. We've got Eric Theralt. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Eric, um, you can sue me if I didn't say that right. And then Tony Kuzminski gave this his eleven. However, Joe Kelly. The band Vela Incident, Mark Neese, Tim McKay, Jeff Johnson, and Bud Verge all gave this their second highest. So this was cumulatively, this was the number the one. Yes, this was this was the number one song for the listeners. And because Wayne, you and I gave this our top, this is this is cumulatively our our, our top song as well. So, Kevin, did we shame? Did we shame you enough on that? <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, no, I. No, I mean, I might, I, I might deserve it. I'm not, I'm not too happy with my score on it. Yeah, no, I don't know why I, I don't. Seven. <laughs> we're liking you already, Evan. You, you're staying true to your principles. You said this is my seven. I'm sticking to it. So, kudos to you for that. All right, next song. Up in the sky. Wayne, get us started. I this 
this was really close to to maybe being that top score. This is a song I didn't necessarily remember from you know the '90s, uh, and really liked it. I mean, and the guitar riff, it and this, it really has a. It's without knocking it off, it feels very reminiscent of "Drive My Car" by the Beatles, uh, and I think that. Tony McCarroll really works the hell out of that snare in this song. Really keeps it going with that. Yeah, it's definitely a rocker for sure. Evan, what do you got on up in the sky? Um, well, I think that riff at the beginning is really awesome. You know, it just immediately hooks you. And then going from there, I think the lyrics are, I don't know. I really like the lyrics on this song for whatever reason. And the melody is definitely an earworm. I get it stuck in my head all the time. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this song is the fact that there's another version of it, the acoustic version. And I honestly think the acoustic version's way better, but that's just because I'm a 12 string fan and the acoustic version is acoustic 12 string in it. Oh, okay. Is that on the deluxe version? I believe so. I think it's, it's somewhere buried in there. Okay. Now I got, now I got homework to do. I'm going to go check that out. Wayne, what's your score on Up in the Sky? A nine. And then Evan? Uh, I had to give this a six. Okay. And this is my five. I just, not that I hate it. I I just think that there's a bunch of other songs that are better than it. Looking at the listener scores. So Dave Montgomery. Yeah. Little, little bro gave this a 10. That was the highest out of all the all the listener scores, um, and I'm looking at everybody's um, mostly sixes and fives. Actually, Jeff Johnson and John Lamoureux and Craig Manning all gave it their threes. So, anyways, middle of the pack song, but I think we can all agree it's still a, it's still a kicker. Yeah, definitely. All right, all right. next song is Columbia. This was the first song that Noel wrote for Oasis. He said, "Sunday, one Sunday afternoon, I was home, at home watching EastEnders, which I guess is a UK show, when our kid rings up and he says, you coming down for a jam? I'd never played with anyone else ever. I went, all right. And I'm asking, do you know any Beatles songs? And he says, no, not, not even Ticket to Ride. So we sat there for hours, dead hot and sweaty. And um, just because they didn't know any Beatles, we decided to write ourselves a song ourselves. And we came up with ter- what turns out to be Columbia. So I thought that was interesting because I don't feel like this this song is a Beatles song. Like you, you even brought up 
the prior song, Up in the Sky, that feels like a Beatles song. This one doesn't really feel like a Beatles song, though. Or no, does this one? Yeah. No, I never, I never thought it did. This one has a heaviness. The only thing I can say about this song is I can never, as it's when it comes on, I see the the name and I'm like, how does that go again? So it, there's something not terribly remarkable about it, but it does. Of all the songs, it had it it has this heaviness uh, to it. And then I I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Liam is working that tambourine nicely. <laughs> Yes, he is. So you do like tambourine. I told you I can recognize good tambourine. Okay. It's terrible tambourine that drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, Evan, sorry. You have to hear this. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, all right, Evan. Uh, you gave this the high, a higher score out of the three of us. Um, what is it about Columbia that you like? Well, when I first started listening to Oasis, I didn't like Columbia that much. But I think after listening to the album a lot, this song's really grown on me. And I think it sounds sonically similar to Rock and Roll Star. And when I think about early Oasis, like some of the harder songs, you know, I just think that Columbia and Rock and Roll Star are that sound. You know, they're they're an early Oasis sound. And probably one of my favorite parts of this song is that echo at the beginning, that screeching echo. I That just wins me over from there and then yeah the melody is super catchy i like that this is confusing am i am i confusing you and then yeah. this is peculiar we don't want to fool you i think the lyrics are kind of they're simple but at the same time i feel like there's a good bit there to kind of take in very cool all right um so let's get some get our scores and then we'll talk about the listener scores uh evan what's your score my score is eight and this was my seven and Wayne six. So we had two people who said that this was their top song. And originally be, this was before I got my, my scores done. John Lamoureux got his scores in first. And um, my immediate reaction was you're a weirdo, John. No, that's absolutely true regardless. But we 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 love John, and the more I listen to Columbia, the more I realize this is a pretty dang good song. Uh, Darren Hyde also gave this his his top score. I will say, for the most part, the listener scores were um, roughly around eight. Average out to eight point nine one was the average score on that. Uh, so uh, there were a couple people, Dave Montgomery. Mark Neese and Vela Incident, um, they all gave them gave this gave this their nines. So did uh, did track well on the listener scores. All right, next song is Supersonic. Now 
And I'm looking at your score, Wayne. I I thought knowing that you're from the Seattle area and knowing that, you know, our former basketball team up there was the Supersonics, I thought it would track a little well, little little better for you for the scores, but I'm uh, I'm 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 surprised. What happened? Well, and sonically I love it cuz it's got this really distorted rhythm guitar and then the clean lead over the top of it, and I love that. But what gets me what sinks it down as low as it does is the nursery rhyme every other i mean autograph or laugh and autograph you and bmw supersonic gin and tonic he goes i mean doctor helicopter tissue issue it's too it's too dr seuss the the i know a girl named elsa she's into alka seltzer it's elsa yeah i did, i left that one out cuz it's the most pathetic one of them all uh do you want to hear what um, and I'm and I'm assuming it was Noel who who said this. I, I should look up my source here. Uh, he said it's actually related to a huge female dog called Elsa that spent her days underneath the mixing desk, desk constantly farting. <laughs> so there you go. Well, that that's a great story, but it doesn't it doesn't help. Doesn't change your score. No, <laughs> this was actually the first single, uh, and it hit in the charts in the UK at 31. What I'm seeing is it hit the U S alternative charts. Number 11 was the peak. And I have to assume that that was well after the UK single had been released before it broke over here. Again, I should have done more research to figure it out when exactly that hit um all right i'll shut up now um what what do you like about this song evan i think one of the things that i really like about it is the drums you know they're simple but once you hear that for me the song is instantly recognizable that that crash at the beginning um i i think i really like the power behind this song you know there's just this massive amount of power coming at you with it it definitely, you know, has a very, oh, we're here, we're going to take on the whole entire world kind of vibe that I guess Oasis wanted to give off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, so your score on this, seven? My score was a nine on this one. And then Wayne? Four. And this is my 10. Let's look over at the listener scores. So there were three people that said that this was their top song. So Bud Verge, Jeff Johnson, and Mark Neese all had this as their top song. I know that Jeff Johnson rated this number one because he's a huge Gary Payton and Sean Kemp fan. So this has to be his top song because of that. We'll we'll let Jeff tell tell us on the next time that we are. We have him on. Uh, John Lamer, John Lamero had this as his 10. There's a couple of people that have this as their nines. Eric and Tony um, both had this as their nines. This was the second top song for the listener picks. All right. Bring it on down is next.
I'm just looking at my score for this. Um, I have the highest score of anyone for this particular song, uh, which shocks me. And let me tell you the reason why it shocks me, Wayne. So can't wait. Noel said this song is a tribute to the Stooges, the MC five and punk rock. Yeah. And I literally in my notes, it says big drums, strong song, very punk rock. All right. So how is it that my score is higher than yours based off of that? Cause you're the punk rock guy in this, in this duo. I just, you know what? And I, I think one of the things having listened to later stuff and his solo stuff, I think that Noel is a better singer. Like Liam becomes almost, especially on this album, he cleans it up on what's the story morning glory, but he's almost a caricature at times. Um, and especially on the next song. But uh, I think this is definitely the best lead guitar work on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Um, and I think that, I think that that's why I gave it a higher score because I, I do like the musicality of it. Um, I do have a question for you on lyrics. So the second line is today was just a blur. You got ahead like a ghost train considering that blur was a contemporary of Osis. <laughs> I absolutely wrote that in my notes too. It says it's a diss song. Today was just a blur. Hmm. I, I, I can't say for sure, but it definitely rings like that. It doesn't feel like a coincidence. Does it? It does not. Yeah. There are no coincidences. All right. Evan, you even know who blur is? Yeah, I know who they are. All right. Good, good. All right. I've heard of them. Again, another parental win for for your your parents. Yeah. What what do you got on uh, Bring It On Down? I really like how the song just kind of jumps in there after. I don't know. Does it? I'm blanking on how it begins. I think it begins with a little bit of guitar and drums, and then that guitar kicks in with the power chords. I think that's just yes. really powerful. Like, uh, what? Well, I, I guess I want to take that line that you said today was just a blur. You got to have like a ghost train, but focus more on the train part. It feels like a literal train is slamming into your ears when that kicks on. And yeah, I think it, I think it definitely has a special place in my heart. I'm not too happy with my score that I had to give it, but I love this. Uh, I love the solo at the end, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 strong. I, I, I do love the, 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 the power behind it. And it does feel like at the beginning, it does feel like a, a train is moving along. So I, I dig it. Um, I gave this my nine and I'm looking at all the other scores, including you guys's and, and thinking, did I, did I score it too high? Cause I'm no, not. I, I want, I can say, I think my, my favorite lines is you're the uninvited guest who stays till the end. I mean, he yeah. has a lot of, there's a lot of like, there's another song that I think is a diss song that's, that doesn't match up to this. Like he gets some, whoever he's talking about, whether it's Dame and Alban or not, uh, he gets some, he gets a couple of lines in there that I think are pretty, <laughs> they're not knockout blows, but they're going to, they're going to set you back. They're going to sting you on the chin. And so he deserves some credit for that. I would have liked to have had this higher. What's your score? Uh, seven. And then Evan, your score. I was a five for this one. All right. And looking at the listener scores, so the highest we had on the listener scores, Vela Incident had this as high as their seven, and then Dave had this as high as his six. But everybody was pretty much in the 
the the the three to four range um this is where i do some some shaming on some listeners um craig manning and joe kelly had this as their twos and i'm just gonna call you guys out you must not be punks all right (laughs) um all right love you guys thanks for listening all right cigarettes and alcohol is next Sorry, I lost my notes again. This is where I do some some copious editing after the fact. Copious. I hate that word because of you. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite word. I I am aware. Well, bastard's my favorite word. But this was the fourth single off the record. And it says that it it charted as high as number seven in the UK. But it didn't chart here in the States. I mean, I don't even remember ever hearing this song on the radio and i listened to a lot of alternative radio in 94 95 96 i i do love the bass line in this song i this here's what here's my problem this has a great title and it never i i expect more from a song called cigarettes and alcohol especially because in 1993 that's what kept me alive and so there's they just but it just let me down why and i can say well, number one, I get that you. a lot of people have knocked off the riff to bang a gong. Don't just play it. Okay. Like, yeah, you um, you shouldn't. And then and there's something like in the verse part, Liam's using this snotty knockoff Johnny Rotten kind of vocal style. And once again, it. it there's so much that doesn't work about the song, but it. But when you read the title, I just expected so much more, especially from the guys who wrote Rock and Roll Star. I'm thinking we're going to this. This should have been huge. And I, I just feel like it was a f- epic fail. So, Evan, don't tell your mom, but making a living as a musician mostly amounts to just having enough money for cigarettes and alcohol. <laughs> just so you know, Um you guys cool with the long drawn out ending and then it's just kind of stops abrupt. Did, did that lose some points for you? It did for me. Um, uh, I was, I was already so disappointed that it couldn't. <laughs> All right. Yeah. There's, I don't know. I guess I've never really connected this song probably because I've never had a cigarette and I've never had <laughs> alcohol before, yeah. but I don't know. I don't like I don't like the speed of it. I kind of wish it was a little bit faster, maybe. I do like the part at the beginning where you got that hissing guitar before it kind of, you know, all settles in and starts going. But besides that, yeah, I don't know. I hate to say this, but I would probably skip it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I This this didn't rate very high for me. Um, I gave this my four, Wayne. Uh, two. And then Evan, your score? Uh, this also has a four for me. 
I will say that Wayne, your your two was the lowest out of anyone, um, including the listeners. Darren Hyde had this as high as his nine. Jeff Johnson also had this as high as his nine. And uh, Tony Kuzminski had this as his eight. But most people had it in the, the, the five, six range. Um, so we, the three of us were definitely lower than the listeners. Actually, Joe Kelly was right in line with us. Joe Kelly gave it a three. So, Joe, you just redeemed yourself. Um, all right. Digsy's Diner is the next song. And Wayne, you got some explaining to do because your your score is most definitely the highest of anyone from the listeners and the three of us. So what is it about Digsy's Diner that you liked? Um, you know what? I it almost sounds like a love song. And there's the and there's a little piano in it. I, I felt like they gave it some it just had a couple elements that I wasn't used to at this point in the Oasis career. It's still very sparse lyrically. They do a lot of repeating, you know, he'll do two sections, maybe a verse, and then he repeats everything again, at least once, if not twice. But I think the, the, there was just a little something different to it. Like there was a different feel, um, that love song kind of a feel to it. And then you know, tickling the ivories, put a little piano in this. Here, here's where I have the problem with you saying it's a love song. This is a song that that's essentially it's an ode to lasagna. So you're you're. <laughs> I hate the way he says lasagna too, but I, you know what? I or, like a good lasagna or at tea the, time with the queen. I, I mean, or is lasagna code for something? Well, that's here's the thing about rock and roll. Every, if it could be a love song, could be a drug song. There's really no way to tell. Yeah, yeah. Unless some, unless they tell you or they die of a heroin overdose. Does anybody know who Digsy is? Did you like look this up? Owns, owns the diner. I'm assuming. No, he was the lead singer for a 1980s band called Cook the Books, and then he formed another band called Smaller. I guess he had two hit songs in the UK and in the nineties and is now in a band called the sums. And I guess he's had a friendship with Noel who is also guested on some of his, his on Digsy stuff. And um, yeah, so there you go. I don't have anything else to say on Digsy. This, this, was one of my lowest scores. This is a skippable song for me. And I think that the listeners kind of agree with, with, with me on that. This was my two and Evan, your score. Uh, let me find it here. I think this was also my two though. And then Wayne. Yeah, this is my, I give it a five. All right. 
So yeah, definitely your five is the highest. I'm looking at all the listener scores and everyone gave it either a one or a two. So, um, but if you are skipping it, you are skipping it to a really great song. So the next song is Slide Away. described this song as him trying to combine Neil Young with the Smiths reel around the fountain. Did he get it? Did he get that? Except for the intro that sounds like kryptonite from three doors down. Once that stops, it's all it's full speed ahead. Well, kryptonite came after this song. Well, there you go. Yeah. Those boys from three doors down have some explaining to do. I hear the workings of Wonderwall in the song. Yeah. I you hear do you hear yeah. that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And and that's that's a high compliment because I absolutely love Wonderwall. Um it's one of the greatest songs ever. What uh Evan, what do you got on on, on Slide Away? Well, Slide Away has definitely always been one of my favorites. I think the lyrics are really good, you know, really beautiful lyrics. And, you know, I just felt like this is one of those songs that once it gets going, you know, everyone can sing to, you know. And I really like how there's, it's a nice balance between happy and sad. It's not too sad. It's not too happy. Um, yeah, and I think whereas Digsy's uh, is sort of more sound like a silly sounding love song, this one actually, you know, it has a lot more heart in it. So, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. This this is definitely a love song or a drug song. Um, this to me, because I'm not, I think Noel Gallagher is the best drummer and singer in this band. And this time, Liam, this is more in Liam's wheelhouse. Uh, I think it could have been four and a half minutes instead of six and a half minutes, but that would be the only slight criticism. Yeah. All right, this was my six, and I feel this was this was the one time where I felt bad about my my score. Um, it was as high as my ten at one point, but it just kept sliding. Wayne, your score eight, and then Evan. This was my eleven. Top song for you. All right, yeah, you were not alone in the top song category. So, Vela Incident. Um, they, they had this as high as their 11. Um, Eric Theralt and Craig Manning had these. This is their 10s. There were a couple guys who didn't score this super high. Um, so Bud Verge and Darren Hyde both gave this their fours. So spoiler alert, this is this is in the top five for, for, for both us and for the listeners, and we'll talk about that. But first, we got one more song to talk about. So this is Married with Children. Your music shine, it keeps me up all night, up all night. There's no need for you to say you're sorry. Goodbye, I'm going home. 
So yeah, the song was inspired by the sitcom Married with Children. Uh, Noel said to Melody Maker, he said, I looked at those two in the show, and then I looked at us two, referring to his brother, and I thought, that's us. That is. And that would be the reason why they're not still making music together. Uh, Did you guys watch the documentary? No, I didn't, but I did wrote I did write down in my notes. I think he got Liam to sing his own diss song. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I will say this also. I think this is Liam's best vocal performance. There's an understatedness to it that I think he uses a lot more on uh, the next album that suits him better than that caricature that he can become. Yeah, I, I would say this. So even though on its own, it doesn't really get a high score from me in the context of the album as an album, as a whole, it's a great album closer. This is not one that I skip, even though I say that it's my one. I think that, that if you, if you stick around after slide away, I think that this is a good palate cleanse to be done with the record. And then I think it's, it's a it's a perfect palate cleanse for the for the next record. That I I, I would I thought it was a good closer. Like I say to me, um, it does sound like a, a diss song, but it lacks some of the the cleverness and the bite of of the previous one. Um, but then I listened to sad song, and I'm like, I don't know that they could have done it at the time because I think. I mean, it's it's all revisionist history. I mean, where they were at the time, I don't know that they could put a song that Noel is singing and that is acoustic and that is a little has a has a different whole different vibe to it. But I I think after hearing sad song, that's the way they should have ended it. Okay, I get I can get I can get behind that. Evan, what do you got on Married with Children? Um, well, I also had to give this my lowest score, but. It's not because it's a bad song. It's because I constantly forget that it even exists. So I guess that means I don't like it all that much. Um, there's nothing super memorable about it for me. I think it sounds like a lot of the stuff that comes a little later for them. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely not a bad song. And I do I do like Liam's vocal performance in it. So you're listening to this and going, okay, well... Um, I'm going to stop it. Slide away. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Although that's, if this song came right. on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop it, but I do forget this song exists. So I might walk over and turn the album off because I think it's over. <laughs> right. Right. I gotcha. All right. So I said that this was my lowest and I, I don't know. I, I probably should have give Dixie's my lowest, uh, Wayne, your score. Three. And then Evan. One. All right. And this was cumulatively, this was the second least favorite song from the listener scores. Um, Joe and Craig both gave it fours. That was as high as, as that went. Most people gave this. Oh, and Dave Montgomery gave it a four as well. Um, But for the most part, everybody gave those um, ones and twos. Um. All right. Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Uh, I, I do not think so. What do you think, Evan? I think we covered it pretty good. 
Okay. Um, let's go through our top five and then we'll talk about the listener top fives. So live forever was our top song. So rock and roll star got our second highest with a 9.33 average score slide away was number three, followed by supersonic and Columbia. Now over on the listener scores. So live forever was also their top song. However, Supersonic was their two with a 9.73 average score. Columbia, um, that's mostly John Lamoureux's doing, I think. Oh, and and Darren Hyde's doing. So that was the that was third, followed by Slide Away with an average score of 8.55, and then rounding it off with Rock and Roll Star. So even though our numbering was a little bit different, uh, the top five is the same for for both which I thought was interesting. Oh, nice. So yeah. we, we all agree. This is a, this is a solid top five that we would listen to a lot. Oh, absolutely. Or I would say this just to piss off Wayne, we would listen to this copious, copious amounts. Of copious amounts. Yeah. Copious copious amounts. <laughs> all right. Um, Evan, this was fun. Mm. Yeah. I had a lot of absolutely. fun. Thank you for picking Oasis. It's uh, I've been 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 waiting to do an Oasis record, so um, it's good. We got we got one other Oasis record to talk about, Wayne. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. All right, Evan, tell tell our listeners where they can find uh, find you out there on the interwebs. Well, best place to look for me is probably Instagram. Uh, I just use my my name, so Evan Sorkamp. And then 04. And yeah, that's where I post all my updates about my music and stuff. And you're on Bandcamp? Yeah, I'm on Bandcamp and then YouTube. And besides that, all the other major streaming platforms. All right. And you and and on Spotify, we need to get you over a thousand. <laughs> need to get you over yep, a thousand. I guess. All right. Yeah. Hundreds of people listen to us a week. We can do this. It might take a few weeks, but it might take a few weeks. But you you are correct on the hundreds. We're 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 copious in the hundreds. Uh, I didn't use it properly uh, there. No, that was no, that, that was, was ham fisted. Ham fisted. No, no, I was just trying to piss you off because I know you've had a couple drinks already. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find all their happenings on the socials. You can find me on Twitter at Podcast Records or the Facebook page for the Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne, you're on Instagram at where? Records Revisited Podcast. Super easy. And you can go find us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts like this one. Please go subscribe and rate or review us on all those platforms. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. So find your favorites out there on their socials and go support them on their streaming events. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. You can still go to a record store. Just when you do, wear a mask, okay? It's not hard. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. 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 I totally that one. All right.